a short overview of the 1888 message and its advancing glory. Here's a short presentation about what has gone wrong in God's family and needs to be corrected by the plan of salvation before the great controversy could come to an end. Before the rebellion in heaven, every intelligent being was part of a huge living network through the Holy Spirit. This is the foundation of God's government, His eternal purpose in creation, clearly stated in Desire of Ages 161. Every being is a holy temple for the indwelling of God, and through the presence of the Holy Spirit, all have access and are part of God's magnificent world of love, grace, joy, service, power, communication, transportation, creation. All are connected to the source of life by the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. A bright and holy seraph, the one walking in the midst of the stones of fire, desired to change all that. He presumed that this order is the way of slavery, a barrier against real freedom, a kind of freedom that would have made gods out of everyone as a birthright. He spread the rumor that the partaking of the divine nature was an obstacle against natural evolution towards Godhead. Lucifer decided to disconnect himself from the source of life. Many of the angels disconnected also, hoping to obtain real freedom and become like God. But the disconnection from the source of life brings instant death, final annihilation, the second death in our language. To stop this until the lies and disinformation are clarified, the eternal Lamb of God took on him the consequence of their disconnection and was cut off out of the land of the living. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Number 1648. The controversy moved to planet Earth, and by creating beings of new order, God desired to clarify the objections in the great controversy. There was no need for Adam and Eve to fall. The great and eternal law of God's government, the union between divine and created nature, could be perfectly demonstrated by the holy pair living in righteousness. The Holy Spirit was dwelling in them, and the bright light surrounding their bodies was a visible proof of this reality. The plan for them was to create children like themselves, temples for the indwelling of God. But Eve thought that maybe Lucifer had a point and was willing to try his way to become like God. She decided to disconnect herself from the source of life, and Hubby followed from reasons of the heart. Adam was the first man willing to receive another gospel. The history teaches that every time people receive another gospel, they worship at once another Christ and are inspired by a false spirit. From that very day, the main object of the plan of salvation was to connect again the race to the source of life. The Jewish economy was an object lesson for this great truth, hidden from ages. The reality of it, the man, Christ Jesus, was the fulfillment of this plan. Because of sin, humanity ceased to be a temple for God, darkened and defiled by evil. The heart of man no longer revealed the glory of the Divine One. But by the incarnation of the Son of God, the purpose of heaven is fulfilled. God dwells in humanity, and through saving grace, the heart of man becomes again his temple. Desire of Ages 161 only when God dwells in humanity can a man live in righteousness. 
Christ was the first embodiment of the everlasting covenant. Anything else is godliness without power, the old covenant. The great controversy cannot be brought to an end unless a people is willing to come to the wedding. The wedding is the union between two natures, divine and human. By the marriage is represented the union of humanity with divinity, Christ Object Lessons 307, and we call this the Great Day of Atonement for the Living. This subject is not a matter of small interest. It contains the mystery of godliness. The union of the divine with the human nature is one of the most precious and most mysterious truths of the plan of redemption. It is this of which Paul speaks when he says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Testimonies, Volume 5, 746. Christ came to the world to bring divine power to humanity, to make man a partaker of the divine nature. General Conference Bulletin, February 25, 1895. Christ came to make us partakers of the divine nature, and his life declares that humanity, combined with divinity, does not commit sin. Ministry of Healing 180 He who becomes a partaker of the divine nature will be in harmony with the God's great standard of righteousness, his holy law. Christ Object Lessons 314 Linked to the Infinite One, man is made partaker of the divine nature. Upon him the shafts of evil have no effect, for he is clothed with panoply of the righteousness of Christ. Counsels to Parents, Teachers, and Students, 51. Thus, through the agency of the Holy Spirit, man becomes a partaker of the divine nature. Desire of Ages, 675. The life of Christ has shown what humanity can do by being partaker of the divine nature. All that Christ received from God, we may have. Christ Object Lessons 149 In all things Christ was made like unto his brethren, that in his human nature he might give to man a perfect example. He alone could bridge the gulf that sin has made. In him, humanity touched humanity, while divinity laid hold upon divinity that man might become Christ-like, a partaker of the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. The Home Missionary, October 1, 1897 This is the consecrated way to Christian perfection, and God was gracious to send us the beginning of this message in 1888 through brethren Wagner and Jones. But, the beginning was opposed with such obstinacy that the angel told Sister White that there, at Minneapolis, the people was repeating the rebellion of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. God's plan for the latter reign and the loud cry was rejected, and the message could not develop and unite with the other angel of Revelation 18. All these 130 years, some people cherished the beginning of the message, and for them it grew, developed, and is now ready to unite with the other angel. They treasured its advancing glory and are ready to tell the church about the unsuspected glory of the 1888 message. But the prophecy is a little discomforting. 
The third angel's message will not be comprehended. The light which will lighten the earth with its glory will be called a false light by those who refuse to walk in its advancing glory. The 1888 Ellen White Materials 673 Today we have plenty of proof that the beginning of the 1888 message is still called a false light. Instead of walking in its advancing glory, the remnant church used a shortcut to obtain victory over sin. We've been educated to imitate Christ's acts, words, manners, be like him, without first being made like him, a temple for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But for us to be a final generation, another look at Christ is needed, simpler but extremely profound in its implications. He who looks to Christ in simple childlike faith is made a partaker of the divine nature through the agency of the Holy Spirit. As Christ was glorified on the day of Pentecost, so he will again be glorified in the closing work of the gospel. When he shall prepare people to stand the final test in the closing conflict of the great controversy. The Home Missionary, November 1, 1893 His righteousness was the product of union between the divine and the human nature. It was his faith that the Father lives in him, and without this indwelling he could do nothing. His first public words in the most official place of his church, before the official leaders of his church, were that he is a temple, the temple of God. The same faith must be found also in the saints of the final generation. They have the faith of Jesus, the faith that God dwells in them. Revelation 14.12 According to the New and Eternal Covenant, Jeremiah 31.31 Why the mystery of Christ is still unproductive in the church at this late hour of history? Because we, the church, rejected God's initiative in 888 and the light was opposed all these years, being intercepted by our own leading brethren. The seventh trumpet will begin to sound, announcing the finished work of the mystery of God. When God's people will understand their high calling of being temples for the indwelling of the Spirit of God, partakers of the divine nature, the Bride of Christ. Then, and only then, the temple in heaven will be opened for all the world to see, the ark of his covenant, and a holy people made like unto their brother. Revelation eleven nineteen. Then, and only then, the prophecy of Ezekiel will see its grand fulfillment. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, said the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Ezekiel thirty six twenty three. Then, and only then, the billion worlds in heaven will sing with voices like a thunder. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Revelation nineteen seven to 8